0: I'm going to encourage you to turn with me and your copy of God's Word to Matthew chapter 6 as we continue on in the series, Jesus Teach Us How to Pray. And today we're going to be reading verses 9 and go through 13. If you are physically able, I will ask, if you will, to stand with me in honor and reverence of reading God's Word. Today's message is entitled, Bread Tastes Much Better with the Joy of Forgiveness. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 9, our Lord Jesus spoke these words in teaching His people how to pray. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us unto temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen and amen. You may be seated. As we look at uh, three parts of this verse today, of verse 13 or verse 12 in the beginning of verse 13, and forgive us our debts, or our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those that have trespassed or sinned against us. And then do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil or the evil one. All three of these could be a sermon in themselves. Actually, many sermons. And so to deal with these three together in one message, does not give them their due, but we pray that the Holy Spirit will give us guidance and help today as we look into Him. You know, we're taught to ask for our daily bread. We looked at that last week. And give us this day our daily bread, our needs for each day, our strength, our nourishment needed for that day. But if we are in an unrepentant state, there's little joy with our bread. Because our relationship with the giver of bread, our Father in heaven, is not in a healthy state. Jesus teaches us in the model prayer that asking for the forgiveness of our sins is to be asked like our daily bread, daily, forgive us our debts. And you notice it is connected between verse 11 and 12 taylor university president jay kessler once told of uh, sitting with a young man who told him about his father he had been raised as an orphan and when he had children of his own he didn't quite seem know how to handle them and he would uh ignore them in many ways because he didn't know how to deal with them and how to rejoice with them how to weep with them and he didn't know how to discipline them and he would do so in fits of rage and anger and One day after a particularly embarrassing loss of temper, the father put his head in his hands and with great desperation in his voice, he said, son, you don't understand. I never had a father. And I've never seen how fathers do this. And I feel totally helpless. I don't know how to be a good parent and I want to be a good parent. But I don't know how. Help me. Help me. The boy took his father in his arms and the two of them wept together. From that point on, the son and his dad became the closest of friends. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, help us. We don't know how to do this on our own. Help us. May we come today recognizing our need of forgiveness, the need to forgive others that have sinned against us, and the help to resist temptation from destroying our lives. And aren't you glad today, as Ryan said a moment ago, that we have a heavenly Father that says, Come and ask. And I'll take care of my children. Let's pray. Father, I simply pray today that my tongue may be used like a pen in a scribe's hand, ready to proclaim the greatness of His King and His decree and the glorious work of His kingdom. Work mightily in this room today as you already have in this service. Move in our hearts, Holy Spirit. Cleanse us of our sins, dear Jesus. Have mercy on your children, Holy Father. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Forgive us our debts. Forgive us our sins. One has said that prayers that do not deal with sins are hindered and unfinished prayers. Prayers that do not daily, as we ask for our daily bread, prayers that do not daily deal with our sins are unfinished prayers. A prayer which doesn't ask for pardon will fail. It is undone to speak to the Lord in asking Him for His mercy in our life, for His grace in our life, for our daily bread, without recognizing our sins each day. You know, with our belief in eternal security as Baptists, we we proclaim that once you are placed in the righteous right hand of the Father, that nothing can pluck you out of that hand. We believe that. That is a doctrine. But Baptists have been accused many times that we can be saved and live however we wish with no problem arising in our relationship with God. And the way that some that claim to be Christians in Baptist churches live, I can see why we get accused of that. And I've been guilty of that myself. We get accused of saying, that those Baptists believe you can walk down an aisle and get dunked and live however you want and they believe they're going to heaven. Well, nothing could be further from the truth, my friend. Yes, we do believe in eternal security. But we believe because of the eternal nature of the work of Christ in justifying us, we are certainly saved and we are certainly secure, but we believe that we are also changed to serve the Lord and to live a life that is pleasing to Him in all things we do. And an unrepentant life is not a pleasing Christian, or possibly an unrepentant life is not a Christian at all. That first time you called upon the Lord to save you and cleanse you was just the beginning of a relationship and where we daily come to the Father asking Him to cleanse us and forgive us of our debts. It is a daily duty. It is a completeness to the prayer. Because the truth is this, when there's unrepentant sin in the camp, there's no victory in the battlefield. Let me say that again. Where there is unrepentant sin in the camp, there's no victory on the battlefield. Many of you remember when Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land, and they they overtook those mighty walls in Jericho. God had given them specific instructions of what to do with the spoils of war and what not to do. But some hid some of the spoils of war in the tent. It brought sin in the camp. And then they went to a much smaller uh, providence of Ai to conquer it. And they even said, we don't even need all the men for this. But there was sin in the camp, and they went to take over Ai in the promised land. And they lost that battle. And Joshua came back to God, why have you led us into the promised land only for us to see defeat? And God told him, Joshua, there's sin in your camp, and you better deal with it, or you won't see victory in the promised land. If there is unrepentant sin in the camp of our life, there's going to be no victory in the battlefields of our life. Sins are not overcome unless they are confessed and repented of. We all struggle with temptation, and yes, we all have sins we are bent towards, so to speak. Many times we say, and and today, especially in our day, uh, this is greatly used in our society and in our nation well god knows i'm like this he made me that way it's okay to live in this and nothing could be further from the truth and beloved some of you your minds went toward those of same-sex uh cravings but that also goes for your pride and your unforgiveness and a lying tongue we can't use the excuse well god made me that way And live in it. He wouldn't have given me the cravings. No. The cursed body made us that way. God created a perfect man and woman and said it is good. And He put them in a perfect place. Eden. A beautiful world. But they chose to sin against God. And the wages of sin is death. And the body was cursed. And the earth was cursed. All of our leanings towards sin and temptation and lust do not come from God, but they come from the cursed bodies that we live in. And we cannot use the excuse that God made me this way. Sin will never be... And listen, if it was sin 2,000 years ago, if it was sin 6,000 years ago, if it was sin 10,000 years ago, it's sin in the eyes of God today. And it must be dealt with. But it will never be dealt with until we come to a point of repentance in our life. Sins are not overcome unless they are confessed and repented of. And this means that you will not overcome sin in your life until you agree with God that they are that, sins. And you ask forgiveness and you turn from them, asking God's help to overcome them. Until then, you are chained to sin. And you are missing the mark and the glory of God. I realize I want to say something today, though, that this is a process of repenting and repenting more deeply. That is something I have personally asked for in my life the last few months. Lord, I say I repent, but help me repent more deeply. And that is a process in many ways. Some sins we overcome, God gives us the grace to totally remove them from our life and their attack upon us immediately. Others linger, don't they? Somebody shake their head. Any of you all have a problem with sin? Or you all got this? Am I, you all got this taken care of? If so, I'll just quit this sermon now. Some are a process. And we, as we daily confess and agree with God that there's sin in our life and we confess and we agree with Him that they're keeping us from the life that God has designed for us to live and we ask Him, God, help us and help us repent or turn more sharply or deeply in our life. God gives grace for that. Aren't you glad of that? How many of you have experienced that grace? God, grant me grace. Help me, Lord. Forgive us our debts. Complete the prayer. Ask God for forgiveness daily as you ask for your bread. I promise you, it makes the daily bread taste so much sweeter when all things are out on the table before God, holding nothing back. And what a glory it is that we have a Father. You're not going to shock Him. He already knows and He wants to hear. And He wants to take those sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness. How glorious a truth that is today. How many friends that if you told them your deepest, darkest thoughts or troubles would walk away and leave you. And some of you have had that happen. But you have a heavenly Father. You have a Savior. You have a Spirit within you that will sit at the table and hear all the garbage come out of your life and He will not run. And His love for you does not change. And He continues to push before you the daily bread for nourishment and forgiveness and cleansing of your sins. Lord, forgive us our debts. Forgive us our trespasses. Forgive us our sins. And help me repent more deeply. But only as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Matthew chapter 6, in that same chapter, just a couple of verses down in verses 14 and 15, Jesus still teaching in the Sermon on the Mount Right after the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now this, I don't believe Jesus here in the Sermon on the Mount and the whole context of the sermon and who He's preaching to is saying if you never forgive anybody else right then that you're not a Christian. He is actually preaching the Christian's life, the kingdom life. But He is saying this, child of God, if you have unforgiveness toward other sins, your right relationship with God will be hindered when you ask forgiveness for your sins. And you will not experience the blessings and the open relationship that God desires for you to have with Him. Again, there will be sin in the camp. Charles Spurgeon said this, it it, it would not be safe for God to forgive a man that will not forgive others. It's not safe. It's not God's nature to totally cleanse a man or woman that willfully does not forgive others that have sinned against them. And so the the grief hardens our heart. The hatred, the anger hardens our heart and robs us of our joy and our relationship with our Father. We ask when someone has wounded us or wounded our family, our loved ones, how can I forgive them? And the answer is this. As God in heaven shed His blood and forgave me of my sins, an unworthy sinner. Then the second, forgiving others, is connected and accomplished through the knowledge of the first. If God forgave me, if He could save me, if He could forgive me, that in the eyes of God, there are sinners just like me, and I must forgive them just as God forgave me. Again, this is a process many times. There have been people in my life, I had this happen recently, that years ago I said, and nah, I forgive them, and I would go long periods of time without even thinking about how they wounded some of my family. And then a few weeks ago, I saw one in a public restaurant. And do you know those feelings came right back to me, and I had to deal with that forgiveness all over again. And I didn't want to at first, Sandy, but I've had to. They're sinners just like me. A young minister was troubled and uh, he came across an older minister and the older minister said, Son, what's wrong? And he said, well, my, my people of my church, they're just not acting right. or they're, they're sin among them and they're not doing what they need to do. And that just shocks me. And the old minister said, That shocks you? We're sinners. All of us. In need of grace and mercy and salvation. It shouldn't shock us when someone sins against us because we've sinned against others. We've sinned against ourselves. We've sinned against God. it shouldn't floor us when someone else sins against us. And we need salvation just like they do. And they us. Is this always easy? No, it's not always easy. But it is possible through the power of God. Yes, it is possible, just as Christ cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, it is possible and it is necessary for a healthy and victorious relationship with your Father. Lord, forgive me as I forgive those that have sinned against me because I have sinned against you and you have forgiven me and so I will forgive them. Help me, Lord, forgive them. Monday, December the 8th, 1997, tragedy struck at Heath High School in Paducah, Kentucky. Some of you might remember that horrible day. And according to Roy Maynard in World Magazine, a small group of students who conducted a daily prayer meeting in a hallway near the administrative offices finished their morning prayers and they were about to head off to their classes. And shortly after the final amen, it is alleged that a freshman named Michael whom the prayer group leader had befriended earlier in the year, opened fire on the students with a 22 caliber automatic. The group's leader, Ben Strong, called out, Mike, what are you doing? And walked toward him. After firing ten rounds, Michael finally dropped his gun and Ben Strong walked up and put his arms around the gunman, urging him to calm down. Three students were killed in the shooting spree. And five were wounded, including one paralyzed. In the aftermath of the tragedy, pastors and youth ministers were called in to counsel the students. And according to one counselor, the thing the kids are asking most is why? Why? We still ask that today. All these years later, from 1997, we hear of these mass shootings and we ask Why? And all I can tell them is that what Satan means for evil, God can bring good out of it. The morning prayer meeting, writes Maynard, usually attracted 25 to 30 kids. On Tuesday morning after the shooting, nearly half the school, more than 250 students attended. A number of the youth ministers who had compared notes all say that they've led kids to Christ in the aftermath of that shooting. And said, Ben Strong, God's the only one who can turn to in something like this. And a lot of people are turning to Him. And I believe God can bring revival out of this terrible happening. Whatever happens, he said, one thing is sure. God, Good through God can overcome evil. Listen to this. Fifteen-year-old Melissa Jenkins, she was paralyzed in the shootings. And she was one of the first victims to send a message to the shooter, Michael, and she said this, tell Michael I forgive him. Tell Michael I forgive him. I'm in a wheelchair. I'm paralyzed from something I don't understand, but tell Michael I forgive him. Easy, always, no. Powerful, yes. Necessary, yes. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those that have debts against us. And Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now as we have prayed for the guilt of sin to be removed, we now pray that we would not return to its foolishness. We're praying that the dog would not return to its vomit, that the pig would not return to its filth. Deliver us. Lead me not back into that sin, Lord Jesus, or those sins that I've asked forgiveness for, that You've cleansed me for. We pray when we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're praying that the assaults of of those temptations upon our life would be diverted, but also when they do come because we are still tempted that they would not overtake us, that they would not devour us, that the devouring lion would be chained, that we would not be consumed by Him. Lead me not into temptation save me from temptation rescue me from the evil one we are praying that the evil of this world the sting of death the danger from our own lust and passions or the decisions that do not align with God's will for our lives would not overtake us but be diverted and that nothing would come between us and our beloved Savior lead me not back into the filth that you have brought me out of and washed me whiter than snow with the blood of Calvary. When we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We're really asking these things. One, that our Christian joy would not be taken from us because of sin. That our worship and our work and our witness would not be destroyed. How many of a good man or a good woman's work has been destroyed because of sin. A loss of joy in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Our witness destroyed. Our worship hindered each week because of unrepentant sin, even here today. We are asking for divine help from our Father because we understand that we cannot preserve ourselves. First Corinthians in chapter 10 and verse 13 says, No temptation has overcome you except such as is common to man. I want to tell you, whatever we're being tempted with today, it ain't new, honey. It might have a new backdrop behind it or a different name, but it ain't new. Nothing's tempting you or myself that has not tempted others. That God has not provided a way of escape for many other thousands and millions before us. He will allow the same way of escape for you and I today. And Don't say I can never overcome this. That is a true statement, but not when you say, I can never overcome this, but through the power of Jesus Christ, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The rest of that verse says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to men, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God will not tempt you above what you are able to escape with His help. God is faithful to His Word, and He is faithful to His children. And we must never cease to ask God for help in staying away from temptation and providing a way to escape it when it comes. Don't ever think you've got this on your own. Don't ever think you've got you're strong enough or your faith is strong enough or you've got it figured out. That's when the tempter has you in his cause. D.L. Moody, the great Pastor and evangelist out of Chicago in the late 1800s, he wrote this, and you listen to the words carefully No person on earth is beyond the reach of the tempter. No person, not one of you here, is beyond reach of the tempter. None of us, including myself. None of us is beyond the reach of the tempter. Dad would remember a a gentleman at our home church in Waco. He he said these words in his Sunday school class one week and he said, when I'm praying, Satan can't touch me. That was a boastful, arrogant statement. You want to know the truth? Satan almost destroyed his Christian witness and he was used by others to bring great turmoil in the church and he thought he was doing right. Don't ever think you're beyond the reach of the tempter, my friend. Dio Moody said, No person on earth is beyond the reach of the tempter. I used to think that when I got along in a certain distance in my Christian life, I would get beyond the tempter and he would have no more influence over me. I've given up on that. The tempter will follow you from the cradle to the grave and the nearer you get to Christ, the hotter the fight will be. As someone has said, Satan aims high when he wanted... One to sell the Lord, he went to the treasurer of the company, Judas. And when he wanted one to deny him, he went to the chief apostle, Peter. Angels fell even in heaven. Adam fell in paradise. And then he adds with an explanation point, think of it. None of us are beyond the reach of the tempter. None of us in our own strength are able to overcome even the own passions and lust of our flesh. The influence of the world even has affected the church and in America today. We're more worried about putting on a show for unbelievers than Christians coming together in holiness and worshiping. As one has said, we are more, more interested in entertaining the goats than feeding the sheep. None of us are beyond the influence of the world in our own strength. None of us are beyond the passions and lust of our own flesh in our own strength. And none of us will ever get out of the reach of the tempter without Jesus Christ helping his way of escape. But God is faithful and he will help you. But we must ask. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that have sinned against us. Lead me not into temptation. Remove me from the filth. Don't let me return to the sins that dirtied up my life. Purge me. Cleanse me with hyssop, Lord Jesus. Make me whiter than snow. And keep me away from the evil one because I'm too weak to do it upon my own. God, I need you all of this daily just like I asked for my daily bread. I need our relationship to be healthy and well. We need daily to confess and repent of our sins. I heard of a pastor here recently, one of the most ungodliest things I think I've ever heard that one of his church members said he hasn't sinned in over 40 years. Wow. Wow. We need daily help from God to not return to sin. And we need daily help from God to forgive others that have sinned against us that our lives would not be destroyed. Believer, listen to me. If you know that you're a child of God and saved and secure, Satan knows he cannot take you out of the hand of the Father. So what he'll do is destroy your life through bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness and guilt. He will, he will destroy your joy. He will destroy your witness. He'll, restore, he'll destroy uh, your Christian work, your testimony, your name. He knows He can't rob you of your soul, so He'll destroy all of anything that could be good here below. He wants to destroy our Christian joy and effectiveness. He wants it to be removed from us, and we must pray that it must not be daily. And for that matter, we pray... Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Is there unrepentant sin in your life today? Is there unforgiveness in your life today? What about the temptations that are coming against you that you're so close to succumbing to. I'm just asking you privately and silently, would you pray this prayer with me as the psalmist David prayed? Lord, create in me a clean heart, O God. And Father, would you renew a steadfast spirit within me? And Lord Jesus, would you restore to me the joy of your salvation? And would you uphold me by your generous spirit? Amen. Forgive me of my sins. Help me forgive others. And you know, <clears throat> Sometimes, you know, Jesus is teaching us publicly and collectively as a whole about this prayer. But put that name of that person or that people that you need to forgive. God, would you forgive me of my sins as I forgive and you fill in the blank. I cannot tell you how God will free you from hate and bitterness and anger and restore unto you the joy of your salvation when you ask Him, help me forgive others. Forgive me of my sins. Give me strength, Lord.